Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 394 of Geek Town Radio. I'm your host, Dave, and with me this week is. Daryl! How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. It's great to be back. Good. I'm very well, thank you. What have you been up to in the last few weeks since you've been on? Well, despite being somewhat slowed down by illness, I've been there <laughs> watching TV and doing and doing things. The first of which is Hypnotic, which stars Ben Affleck. Yes, I don't know this film. What is it about? The very, very short tagline is, a detective investigates a mystery involving his missing daughter and a secret government program. Okay. So the reason why I guess it drags some interest out of people is because one obviously it's Ben Affleck in a starring role and it's written and directed by Robert Rodriguez yes um, with Max Bornstein helping with the writing and so the main thing is that we see that Ben Affleck's character Danny is a cop where we sort of join into his life we see him talking to a police psychiatrist about the disappearance of his daughter she was kidnapped while he was watching and we sort of hear because it's sort of piped in as he leaves there that they found the person who kidnapped her but he says one he doesn't know where she is and he has no knowledge of why it happened right and it's basically very much in the first it's all the opening few minutes that he gets a bit of a lead and we find out about people called hypnotics who could manipulate the human mind which is sort of half hypnosis and half telepathy right and it's quickly explaining it is that um, hypnotics can basically get into your head and make you see the world as they want you to see it. Um, okay. And you can see there's a simple example where the one guy who is chasing tells someone it's a hot day and you see the effects it has on her. And so, yeah, basically we're just running along in this little theater. We're trying to figure out what's going on. There's lots of twists and turns. I think Ben Affleck does a good job. He's sort of gruff made roles. Mm-hmm. I'm reminded of The Accountant, which I thought I quite liked. Is that what it was, right. what it was called? I think so, yes. Yeah, I believe it was called that, yeah. But also we have William Fickner as the bad guy. You might know the name, but you've seen uh, William. He's had a massive career. Yes, he's one of those people that pops up in he's things got, and you go, that yeah, guy! <laughs> he has, yeah, because he just has one of those faces that tells major stories. And he's been in things like Armageddon, Black Hawk Down, Crash... I remember him from a little known and cancelled after season sci-fi show called Invasion. Right, Not the yeah. One. 
Not the Apple one, yes. I think he plays like a sheriff with a secret. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I sort of recognize it from. He's, he does a thing here where he does such a scary sort of, you can't beat me sort of thing. Yeah. There's lots of twists and turns, far too many to go into. But to sit down and have fun for an hour and a half, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It's a lot of fun, pretty slick. When things sort of get explained to you, you go, oh, that does actually make sense. Ah. It feels a bit like, did you ever watch Escape Room? And The Escape Room 2, it feels a bit like that. There's more to it than first scene. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He's also the presenter of Top Game America, apparently, as well, which I didn't realize. Oh, now I just want to watch an episode just to see how that works. Yeah, there have been three seasons. Yes, it's on Motor Trend Plus in the US, apparently. I don't know whether it ever airs over here, but uh, the last season went out in July last year, so I don't know whether they're doing one this year or not, but apparently there is a Top Gear in America and he's one of the presenters on that, so. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, other than that, I also watched the first episode for Ragnarok, season three. On yes, that's the Netflix series. Yes. Yeah, so it just came, that just came out this week. Basically, it tells the story of the Norse gods and Ragnarok, which is the end of the world. And it's all in modern, is it Norway? I want to make sure that I get wrong. Yeah, uh, well, it's North mythology, isn't it? So Yeah, I'm thinking where to, yeah, it's, it's a small Norwegian town. And yeah, we follow this family, which is Magnus and his brother Loritz. And over the past two seasons, has gone into everything and figured out how things are, which is these children gaining the powers of the gods. Mm-hmm. It's just a very interesting show, which came out sort of nowhere. Yeah. I watched it long. I think I'd watched the first season long after it came out, just because it, it would pop up every now and then if you scrolled through Netflix for long enough. <laughs> I was very much instantly taken in. The cast are great. They do a lot of fun videos on TikTok and YouTube. You can see <laughs> from the beginning of them just you know being very happy that they're involved in the production. We left things off last season where things sort of it's got real. I think the first season was sort of the wonder of, oh, we have powers and that sort of cool. And then the second season was more what happens when you realize this is about a war. Mm-hmm. And obviously war is about loss. And I think we saw that. And now we're basically seeing what's going to happen in the end. Yeah. Or in the first episode. But yeah, it's pretty great so far it does less and more in terms of special effects and stuff but it really sucks to it and I would definitely recommend it and this is the final season yeah it's it's nice that they've actually sort of it's not just been cancelled they are actually ending it after yeah. three seasons and they've actually got an arc to it and, and three seasons is quite good for an arc because you, you know you've got a definite mm-hmm. start middle and end then as well so you know I'm, I'm glad that they are concluding it on their own terms by the sides of it which is good mm-hmm and so the next one is you could now head over to Prime Video and watch all of Cruel Summer Season 2. Yes. After the incredibly long wait we had between Season 1 and Season 2, which includes the surprise that the show will be an anthology, and so those people would not be returning. The cast and things that you love from the first season would not be returning. So we now have Season 2, which is set in a whole different place. This is set in the Pacific Northwest, so sort of around Seattle and that sort of place within the U.S., uh, this time it follows Megan and a mysterious foreign exchange student called Isabella. And it's set as the first season was. It has these three timelines and it runs from 1999 to 2000. So it's summer, summer and winter. Right. And each timeline has a special lens so you can tell the difference. Ah. And everything is told out of order. So obviously from the first episode, you know that something terrible happened because you can see the fallout. Mm-hmm. But obviously you have no idea why and how that happened. Right. And I think now coming to see the whole season, I can see very much 
the themes, the structures that's been kept to. So you can point to things and go, oh, they did that in the first season as well. They did that they did that sort of step as well. Right. It stars Sadie Stanley, who I only really know as a live action Kid Bossman. Right. She, okay. she, she did Disney movies. There's Alexi Underwood, who plays Isabella, who's a mysterious. So she is American. She's not really a foreign exchange student, but she's a child of diplomats. So she's very much a high flyer and very much makes things interesting when she comes into this little town. The other people you might recognize are Paul Adelstein. Always see him pop up in things. He plays the father of one of the love interests. But as it is, the sort of theme of Cool Summer is just intense teenage relationships, sort of whether it be friendships or conflicts, and how far out of hand those things can go. Yeah. Basically. And it's always in the midst of an actual crime, which obviously has those kids at the center of it. You find out by the first thing, we have Megan and Luke, who are best friends. Mm-hmm. Isabel comes to stay with Megan, very different from people who she met before. Megan's very quiet, actually it's a bit of an IT thing, very much looking to go to university to do computers and says several times she wants to start her own IT business. Right. By the end of the first episode that Luke had disappeared and had disappeared for a significant amount of time. So has been gone for at least six months right. and no one's heard anything from him. And we sort of go from there. Does it capture this exact same lightning as the first one? It does pretty near to, but obviously the first one had that thing of coming out of nowhere and we've never seen anything like it. And this is obviously just following up on that. But I would say it's just as good. And if you like that sort of really thrillery, anticipating every episode, having to pay attention to every single episode, there's maybe little things buried here and there for you. This is that show. Yeah, it's one that I've not picked up yet. I like a lot of the cast of the first season as well. I should actually go and give that a try because uh, it's Olivia Holt in the first season uh-huh. and uh, Holly Quinn Smith is in there as well. I would only slightly hype up the first season just because a lot more of that is about the community. Right. Whereas in this show, they really center on just the kids and their conflict. But a lot more of that is just a little earlier. So I think it must be the, maybe it's the early 90s. I can't remember exactly what time. Yeah. It's also set in like small town Texas. So there's a different vibe and culture there. And yeah. that is a big part of things as well. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't seen the first season, definitely start with that. I will go and take a look at that at some point, I think. It's been on my list of things that I should pick up. Yeah, definitely was. The last thing, last week. I attended Witchbomb, which is a Star Fury event specifically for Motherland Fort Salem and Warrior Nun. Right, um, cool. Star Fury have very fandom centered things. So they yeah. have like supernatural centered ones. So they have Buffy ones, which had transitioned over to vampire ones. They have Lucifer shows. And so this one is specifically about Motherland Fort Salem and Warrior Nun. It was at one of the hotels near Heifer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was the first one I've ever been to. Wasn't sure how it would go um and also it's complicated by the sag after rules yes i was gonna say they did loom large over things but despite that it was really good the people who attended for any Fort Salem fans were Lynn Renee, who plays General Adler, Amalia Holm, who plays Scylla, Emily Leclerc, who plays Isadora, Taylor Hickson, who plays Rael Collar, Diana Pavlovska, who plays Willa Collar, and Candice McClure, who plays the head of the Spree. For on the Warrior Nun front, we had Christina Tonterry Young and Olivia Delcan. Oh. This came less than a week after the trilogy news yes, surrounding they, Warrior Nun. They so we managed had to time that back. well. Yeah. yeah. So we knew it was coming back, but then we had the proper statement about it being a trilogy of films, but that was less.
less than a week before this event and we couldn't say anything about that at all yes the time um, for those that don't know what the situation is the SAG-AFRA rules SAG-AFRA is the actor union in the US and the SAG-AFRA rules say that you aren't allowed to discuss anything which is a project that is made by a struck company so a company that they're striking against so that's basically any of the main networks any of the streaming services pretty much anything that's made in pop culture in Hollywood that isn't an independent film. You are not allowed to talk about that at conventions. You can go and appear at conventions. You can go and do signings. You can take photographs. You can even do panels. You're just not allowed to talk about any of the work that you've done past, present or future. So I did wonder what the experience like this was going to be because of course we have comic cons coming up. We've got MCM coming up. There's Wales. Yeah, I could never tell you a little bit about that. We have like an opening ceremony on the first day and we just go into one of the function rooms at the hotel for us and everyone sits down and we have Sean, who's I guess the lead on everything and runs Star Fury, sort of gave us a speech and obviously highlighted the issues about Sagatra. Also, there's no filming at these events. You can take pictures, but no video or audio recording as well. Mm-hmm. But did explain you know, how it worked in terms of you could talk about the things. And we introduced all the cast and the reception was deafening. Um, <laughs> at that point, I think there was evening meet and greet session, which is like press round tables for fans. Oh, cool. So you get little groups of fans on tables, then all the stars come and sit down and talk with them for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Of which that's one of the premium things which I wasn't on, of which because I waited too late to buy my ticket, and they were also how by the time I got there. Ah. So that was pretty great. As I say, the reception was tremendous. I mean, also because for Motherland fans know it is a show about a witch army what they generally do in, in terms of applause is stomp on the ground so we made <laughs> serious noise in that hotel thing we might, they must have wondered what the heck was going on <laughs> there were panels both days after that the panels were great so we had general groups to come out and talk and it meant that they talked about their lives a lot more yep. they talked around acting and stuff there was some talk about the reason for the strike um, I believe so Linamane is a SAG actor member but most of the others not because the EGOT members of the Canadian one mm-hmm. or they're outside because obviously we have a few who's like Christina and Olivia yeah. are for us so obviously they're all having an interest in remaining qualified for that work that's yes. why they follow the rules yeah. but yeah I would highly recommend it we had autograph sessions and photo sessions I did some volunteering there so I did some stewarding at the photo sessions and just saw how amazingly well run those are and Good. they managed to be sort of quick and efficient without being impersonal Good. which I know can happen when you do photos things it can get a little yeah. impersonal but yeah, also had discos, which went on till two in the morning, <laughs> which is funny if you try and turn up and steward something at eight in the morning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fun. The hotel was really nice. They usually are nice. nice. Really friendly staff, very polite. If there was not, well, there is another one because there's literally another one next year. They've already put the booking things up. Yes. And I would go. That's awesome. I mean, I, that's the thing with those events. The Star Fury ones, I can see why cast want to do them because you're going to meet a built-in fan base. Unlike going to a general comic con where people are signing up possibly to come and see you with these sort of events these are rabid fans of a particular show so if it's a supernatural event the entire room is going to be full of supernatural fans so you know it's one of those sort of things where it's worth them coming to do that because they're going to get bathed in adoration for the the entire weekend (laughs) it must be great fun for them 
and it's good for the fans. I mean, the meet and greet things are, are great. You know, the photographs, autographs, you I mean you can get those at other places as well. But yeah, and I'm glad they found a way around the panels because that I yeah. think is going to be yeah. tricky with some things. And just warning now, I mean, we are going to go and cover Wales. It's actually Wrexham this weekend. I'm not going to do that, but we are covering Wales later on and we're going to be down at MCM as well. We'd usually bring you panel stuff from those. I do not know if the strike is still going on, whether we will be able to bring you panel stuff, because I don't know whether they're going to allow us to film or not. We have no idea at the moment. We'll have to wait and see. So that is going to be the situation moving forward. I mean, those events are still happening. If you're a a fan and want to go and buy a ticket, certainly sounds like they're worth going to do. And, you know, with things like MCM and Wales and all the other sort of cons, there are lots of other things to do besides just that sort of stuff. And it's only more of a problem for us. Like you say, the panels are still happening. It's just in terms of us bringing you content when you've not gone to the event, we don't know how that's going to work, if that's going to work at all. We'll have to wait and see for that. I noticed today MCM have got the cast of Ghosts going, but they're, yeah, there, promoting, yeah, they're, they're there promoting a book. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know whether that's to try and get around the rules, maybe. I mean, they have got a book out. but uh, I, Well, to I, be I, fair, you can see they've signed a lot of people outside of SAG Actress. There's a lot more voice talent going who yeah. will be free to talk about their stuff. So yeah, and I mean, I've looked at a problem and go, let's do something that we can still provide panels and fan interactions. And of course, cast of ghosts, most of them probably aren't SAG people. They're more likely to be equity because they're all British. But as you say, SAG have basically said anybody that breaks the rules may not be eligible for a SAG membership yeah. moving forward. In the future, yeah. So even people that aren't SAG members that maybe want to do bigger things in Hollywood are treading lightly. It's going to be an interesting convention season this year. So for me, there was, of course, one big show that dropped this week, which was uh, Star Wars Ahsoka. That mm-hmm. came out. Have you gone and watched this? Yep, it's really good. Um, it's the only sort of Star Wars Disney Plus thing I'm watching. Right. None of the others really spoke to me, whereas I was actually watching Star Wars Rebels. And there's plenty of Easter eggs and nods back to Rebels in the first one, even ignoring the obvious cast members who've yeah. made the trip over. And it's just, it's nice to feel as a long time. Star Wars fan who saw an entire side of Lord obliterated in the Disney takeover. It's just nice to be a fan and it's like, oh, this little thing's for you. Yeah, it was really quite good. I thought it's great seeing Rosario Dawson back as Ahsoka. I think she's great in that role. It's nice having Sabine there, Hera there. I mean, a bittersweet seeing Ray Stevenson in there yeah. as Valen. Um, mm-hmm. So unexpected that he wouldn't be around anymore. But there's an interesting other set of characters that they've introduced you've got sort of most of the rebel characters that you know but then they've they've introduced well we don't know exactly what they are they're sith dark jedi yeah force users force users dark force users of some description but we don't know exactly what they are clearly former jedi or dark force users of some description so you've got them in there you've got david tennant back up voicing hoon yang which was the uh, robot that was in there and he's now sort of companion on the show which is great great it's just been really good really really good and the little bits with chopper as well just make me laugh i'm so glad they've now got a live action version of chopper in there so if you liked rebels and the clone wars stuff i really think it is worth looking at and very enjoyable series if i had one nitpicky about it it would be that it was maybe a little bit slow in those opening two episodes but you know they were sort of pulling everybody together and you introducing the characters and all that sort of stuff 
So I'm hoping it maybe the pace picks up a little bit for the rest of the episode, but still solid. Dave Filoni's written the entire thing. He actually directed the first episode as well. He's doing the first and the fifth, I think. But the actual storyline is entirely Dave Filoni. So should be in a reasonable pair of hands. He knows what he's doing usually. So uh, yeah, I really rather enjoyed those, uh, the opening episodes of that. Yeah, that's going out on Wednesdays. Over on Paramount Plus, the second half of season one of Quantum Leap dropped. Have you caught any of this this revamp series? I have not, no. I really rather enjoyed what they did with this. The first half of the first season had been out for a while. They dropped the entire second half in one go. The second season is coming in the US in October. We don't know when the second season is going to drop over here. It's one of the rare things which is actually going out as a scripted show in October because most of the stuff that's going out on US TV is not scripted it's all sort of reality and animated stuff and that sort of thing if you've not caught this version of quantum leap it isn't a complete reboot it is a continuation series so it uses the original series as the sort of history and it's a new team that have come in and they have started up the quantum leap accelerator again it ends up with a guy called ben song played by raymond lee who jumps into the accelerator unexpectedly because he wasn't supposed to be the person person that was actually leaping it was supposed to be his girlfriend that actually leaped when he leaps he loses his memory so it becomes about why did he leap in the first place and you get this sort of bigger conspiracy going on what's different about this version of it is you see a lot of what goes on at quantum leap headquarters as well as the stuff that's going on inside the thing that Ben has to fix to leap into the next person and hopefully home. It's really nice how they've managed to construct this story which actually has a goal to it, rather than just, you know, he's randomly leaping from person to person in the hope that the next leap will eventually take him home. There's actually a purpose to where and why he is leaping. And the problem is they can't technically control it particularly well, but there is a purpose to it. There is also connections back to the original series relating to some of the characters as well. It's got Ernie Hudson in there, who is playing Magic Williams, who is the head of the Quantum Leap Accelerator. And you've got Mason Alexander Park in there, who I think people may know from Sandman. He's been in a load of other things as well, but uh, he's wonderful. Uh, He sort of the chief architect the sort of rebuild of the accelerator and stuff and uh, Caitlin Bassett plays Addison who is the Ben's fiance girlfriend and takes the sort of Al observer role in it so the fact that they have that relationship is also slightly different to obviously what it was with Sam and Al in the original it's nice it takes that original core premise and layers some more things into it and creates a, a, an interesting sort of change so it's not just a complete straight remake of the original they ended the first season in a really nice way as well without giving anything away as i said they are sort of moving towards a purpose with the leaps so they ended at a position where had it not come back it would have been fine 
but also it cuts at just the right point so that they can continue as well. Because I was like, well, where are they going to end this? Because when the plot's going, I don't see how you end this in a, in a sort of satisfactory way without leaving it on a massive cliffhanger and then what happens if it gets canned after one season, you know? So thankfully it isn't, it is back. But they managed to do that quite cleverly and cut it at the right point. So looking forward to that coming back, really rather enjoyed it. And I mean, I know some people will say, oh, it's sacrilege, you know, remaking Quantum Leap, but they've actually done a really decent job of it and they're respecting the original material. So I really like what they've done there. It is worth going to look at. It's on Paramount Plus in the UK if you want to go and check it there. It's NBC in the US. Another US show I've been watching is Ghosts. The second season of that landed on BBC. You can go and watch through all of that on iPlayer. I mean, there are already more episodes, I think, of Ghosts US than there are of Ghosts UK. It's one of those rare occasions where they've actually done a very, very good job of taking the British idea and running with it, same as they did with the US version of The Office. The basic premise of it is identical. It's a bunch of ghosts, the couple run a B&B set in a mansion, and the female of the couple bangs her head and can now see the ghosts that live in the mansion. I mean, the, the basic setup is the same. Some of the ghosts are slightly different. What I rather like is they've managed to expand the cast out. I think there's a few more ghosts than there are in the UK version. They've also managing to bring sort of people in for small guest arcs as well and do a bit more with that. So there are more relationships and things to play with. And given that runs are a lot longer, you kind of, I think, need that. You need a slightly more expanded cast. But it's funny. It's fun. It's incredibly charming. It maybe doesn't have exactly the same charm as the UK version, but I still think they have done a really lovely, faithful job of adapting that for a US audience. And it is funny and it is worth watching. So Ghost US is on uh, iPlayer right now. You can go and watch the first and the second seasons up there. In terms of other things, still working through Foundation, that's been great. Billions, that's been great. Uh, Only Murders, that's been really fun as well this season. Gaming-wise, finished Dave the Diver, got through all of that. Wonderfully, wonderfully fun game. If you've not played that, it is a sideward pixel graphic game, and you play a character called Dave, and he is a diver, and he goes and dives down into the ocean, caps his fish, and runs a sushi restaurant at night. But it is a adventure game as well so there is a plot that runs through it which is to do with the things that you find under the ocean really really fun story's great really enjoyable and something that you can pick up and put down quite easily you can play for half an hour and then sort of walk away from it really really good little game worth picking up the other thing i've been playing through is something called stacklands which is a building card game So it's a city building card game, which are two things which shouldn't really go together, but weirdly work. It's a sort of tabletop where you lay out cards on the table, like you're playing any other sort of card game, you know, Magic, Mm -hmm. The Gathering or Solitaire or something. You have things like tree cards and food cards and you have villager cards. So if you put your villager card on top of a tree, a little bar comes across the top, he chops down the tree and it creates a couple of wood. If you put the two wood together and put the villager on that, he'll then make a plank out of them. So it's essentially, it is that sort of city building kind of thing, but it's done with cards. 
It's a really odd concept for a game, but works incredibly well. I've been really enjoying just messing around with that. I only started with that yesterday, so I can't get sort of dramatically into it, but it's called Stacklands. It's up on Steam if you want to go and have a look at that. But yes, very, very fun. I'm rather enjoying playing around with that. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. Let's move on to some TV and film news. 
they can basically get more money for them if they write them down using an impairment charge, which allows them to basically write off the cost of the show to Disney. So yeah, it's another one of those instances, a bit like uh, the Willow series, apart from at least Willow went out, but it's basically that situation where they've looked at it and gone, we don't think this is worth the money we're paying for it. And we're going to try and get them to sell it on because we don't want it, which is frustrating. But at least they've not chucked it into a big black hole like happened with the Batgirl film. So, you know, there are sunny advantages, I guess. Yeah. I don't know the Spiderwick Chronicles at all. I don't know whether that one that was one. I've liked like the sound of the Nautilus series. I thought that sounded like it could be quite good fun. Didn't know the Spiderwick Chronicles. Um mm-hmm. I, think, I think you probably need buy-in for the book. So I suspect that book community is far from happy. Um, yes. Obviously, I hope it finds itself a new home. Yeah, and Nautilus, I think, you know, sound like it could be quite a fun adventure series. I think Shazad is a perfectly fine actor, you know, and, I, and when they announced it, that he was going to be playing Nemo are like, oh, yes, I could see that working. I think that sounded like it was quite a fun idea, and it's a shame that it's going to be shelved until they can find somewhere else to put it. So uh, hopefully they both pop up somewhere else at some point, because they have been made and are now sat on a shelf gathering dust. On the renewal side of things, and just like that, has been renewed for a third season. That's over on Max in the US, that is on Sky in the UK. Channel 4 have renewed Everyone Else Burns for a second season, so that will be back and RuPaul's Drag Race and All Stars and the Untucked After Show have all been renewed as well so they will be coming back for new seasons I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody because I mean they're hugely popular those things over in pickups and other news it was a big TV festival in Edinburgh that runs alongside the Edinburgh Festival and Fringe and all that sort of stuff there was a few bits and pieces that came out from that one of them was uh, about Clarkson's Farm the Prime Video series season three is still happening so that is still coming. What happens after that? He made a very interesting remark, the rep from uh, Prime Video, saying, I can't tell you what a phenomenal show this is and the impact it's had on the agricultural community. We get messages from farmers around the world who just love the show, saying they've never really seen the world reflected properly on screen before. It's a hell of a lot bigger than Jeremy Clarkson, who's the end of it. And I mean, it's like, well, yeah, and I can see... Obviously, with all the controversy around Clarkson, I can see why you might want to continue the show without Clarkson, but I'm not sure whether there is a show without him kind of prodding things in the wrong direction. <laughs> so, that seems like a hard sell. Yeah, particularly as the thing is called Clarkson's Farm. I get what you're saying, but I don't see how it works without him. And I mean, the other characters are great, but if you're going to do it, on his farm and keep on doing that show i don't know i can't see any world in that that you can do that without clarkson's involvement in it i, I don't know but there is a third season incoming because when all the controversy around clarkson hit whenever it was they were in the middle of film, filming season three and were like well we're just gonna continue filming season three so whether it continues after that we'll have to wait and see we have got a bunch of premiere dates, though. There's a lot of that that got announced this week. Brassic Season 5, that's got an air date now, 28th of September on Sky Max. That's landing. Frasier, the revival series, that's coming on uh, Friday the 13th of October. That will be on Paramount+. Plus. 
Rick and Morty has got a premiere date and amazingly it's on E4 and we actually have a premiere date. It's coming on Monday the 16th of October. The reason that has a premiere date on E4 is because they kind of had their hand forced because it is a global premiere date and everyone's getting it at the same time. So it will be at some stupid hour in the morning when it actually launches, but um, it will be on demand and all that sort of stuff. They did a global premiere for the sixth season as well. That's going to be interesting because it's going to be the first one with uh, Justin Rowland not voicing Rick and Morty. So they've got stand-ins to do the voices, unlike on Solar Opposites where they went, screw it, we'll just hire Dan Stevens and Corvo has an English accent now. We'll kind of explain that away and then never talk about it again, which is basically what they do with Solar Opposites. They're actually bringing in sound alikes for Rick and Morty for this. So they're kind of hoping that you won't really notice, but I bet there's some references to it. Yeah. That's coming back for a seventh season. That's Monday the 16th of October for that. I am looking forward to that coming back. Upload I'm also looking forward to. That's back for its third season. That's on Friday the 20th of October on Prime. Did you watch that? That was a wonderful series. It's one of the few things you hear about outside of things. Well, also because it's filmed in Canada. So I do see that news coverage of it from that side as well. Yes. It is worth watching. It's Robbie Amell. It's set in a world where rather than just dying, your entire conscience gets uploaded to a digital afterlife. But it kind of depends how wealthy you are, how well you do in the afterlife, basically. If you can afford the expensive afterlife, that's where you get uploaded to. And Robbie ML plays a character whose girlfriend uploads him to an expensive afterlife, but then he's sort of tied to that girlfriend in this. It's really funny. It's very, very well written. It's from one of the Parks and Rec people, I think, or community people, like which show it was that they were involved with. It is very, very funny. Robbie's great in the lead role. Worth going to check out. But that's Upload Season 3. That's Friday the 20th of October on Prime Video. Bosch Legacy is back for a second season. That has returned. That's on 20th October as well. That'll be first two episodes, and then it's dropping two episodes weekly every Friday, and that's on Amazon Freebie. So you can go and get Amazon Freebie for free, as the title rather suggests. Just sign up for an Amazon account, a free Amazon account. You don't need Prime, and you can go and watch stuff on Freebie. And The Gilded Age is back for a second season as well. That's on Monday, the 30th of October. That'll be on Sky Atlantic in the UK. So uh, lots of air dates that dropped out of that TV festival this week. Moving over back to a strike update, as we've been doing this every week, just to keep you updated on what's going on with the strike. The WGA did have a bit more of a talk with the Hollywood reps. There has been a little bit of movement, but not a whole lot and nowhere near enough. The main things that they're covering are AI, the writer's room, streaming residuals. On the AI front, there has been some movement. They've said we had some real discussions and have seen movement on their part, the Hollywood side regarding AI protections, but no, we're not where we need to be. They've said that this proposal provides important safeguards to prevent writers from being disadvantaged for any part of a script is based on generative AI-produced material so that writers' compensation, credit, and separate rights will not be affected by the use of GAI-produced material. The WGA says, though, they continue to refuse to regulate the use of our work to train AI to write new content for a motion picture. So essentially what they're saying is if you wanted to, say, write an episode of Law and Order and you get an AI to do it, that AI can only learn to write episodes of Law and Order by reading all the other episode scripts of Law and Order to produce a new one. 
And what the WGA are pushing for is going, well, you've trained that AI based off our work. It couldn't do it if it wasn't learning off the stuff that we wrote. So we should get a cut of that. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. And they're saying no. And I don't think they're at a place either that a completely AI-generated script would be usable enough without another writer stepping in anyway. But if it ever does get to that point... And also there's a distinct problem that still figured out the legal stuff around that. So they had a totally AI generated, it'd have no copyright because you can't have a copyright from something made by a machine. And yeah. we've had quite a few lawsuits have come up. So they have to sort of wait till that sells before they try anything that crazy. Yeah. So there is all sorts of problems based mm-hmm. around the AI stuff, which they haven't figured out yet. There was some talk about the writer's room size because they had this issue of writer's room being set up to get a show greenlit and then they were removing a bunch of the writers out of that writer's room and paying them a pittance and then working them to death to get them to sort of write the shows. There was some agreement on minimum staff sizes and durations and stuff to do with the writer's room, but they say when you actually look at the small print in it, there's loopholes, limitations, omissions in their modest proposal, too numerous to be singled out, and which makes it effectively toothless. So basically, they've sort of said, oh, we'll do all this stuff, but not Well, we'll do all this stuff unless... And then you you see this massive line of thing to go, hmm, that's not going to hold up. Yeah, there was apparently a bunch of exceptions in there, and they're like, no, that won't work. On the streaming residual side, which is the thing about how much money they get paid from streaming services, which have been mentioned numerous times before, writers and actors get get paid based on the amount that they originally hired for plus the amount of subscribers to that streaming service not how popular the show is which is how it works on network tv you get paid based on how many viewers there are and what they're saying is the companies say they have made major concessions by offering to allow six wga staffers to study limited streaming viewership data for the next three years we can then return in 2026 and ask once again for viewer-based residuals but in the meantime no writer can be told by the wga about how well their project is doing much less receive residuals based on that data. So what they're basically trying to do is kick the can down a road for three years, yeah. and that just doesn't work. And also, let's be clear, for instance, in France, streamers are required to give that information out. There isn't a, we don't want to, it's a law. Mm-hmm. So they have something they can look at. There are plenty of examples around the world of it working, it's just that obviously they don't want to do that, and we all know why. It comes down to money. Yeah, it comes down to money, and the fact that they, they just are very secretive, and they don't want to give away information. It's ridiculous because they're trying to sort of claim poverty in some cases, which is outrageous because they are making stupid amounts of money on these things. Going back to what we were saying about them ditching shows and writing things off, a lot of that though is still just about balancing books internally. I mean, the money is still there. And that's the other thing is the WGA actually worked out the cost would be if you were just taking it straight off the top. Bearing in mind that in reality, most of this stuff would be built into the budget of a TV show anyway, if they knew they were going to have to pay for it. But if they took the WGA's proposals as is, you're talking about at most 0.2% of profits, particularly for Netflix. But most of the other companies, you're talking about 0.1% of their profits or significantly lower than that. So it's a ridiculously minuscule small amount of money of the profits of these companies and they're arguing over it 
and putting a whole bunch of people out of work and in positions where they're having to go on strike. So it's something that they could easily renegotiate and they're just greedy and refusing not to. So we are where we are until they actually back down and the the streamers are going to have to back down at some point. But until that happens, we're stuck. In terms of how this is affecting things at the moment, obviously we know we've talked about TV shows not coming back and all that sort of thing. There has been two movies that have shifted their dates because obviously, as we were talking about earlier, part of the problem is although they can go and do things like conventions, actors can't actually promote anything. So it means you can't do press tours for stuff. June part two was supposed to be launching in November. The strike is likely still to be running by then. And if it is, they would have launched it without having any actors there to promote it so they've pushed the date back of that to march 15th next year lord of the rings the war of roamin i think it is i i'm sorry if you're a tolkien fan i've probably butchered that but that was supposed to be released earlier that's an animated film they've moved that back until december 2024 as well so no idea when this strike is going to end i mean we know as we mentioned last week that labor day which is september 4th is the threshold for the networks to work out some sort of deal because that way they is a chance that they could then have half seasons of 13 episodes and get them on air for sort of february march time after that it's going to be very tricky to do that so we'll have to wait and see what happens Moving on to a number of British shows, which are actually filming because the British actors and writers are not on strike. BBC made a bunch of announcements of things that are coming up. We've got Verdi, which is a new crime drama starring Sasha Duran, based on a bunch of books by A.A. Dand. You may know the books, quite big crime novels. It's a new six-part series which introduces Detective Harry Verdi, a Bradford cop disowned by his Sikh family for marrying a Muslim. He struggles with the abandonment constantly attempting to reunite with his family. With his personal life in chaos, he must hunt down a killer targeting the Asian community. Based on the first book in the series, there are four books so far in that series, so they have got a number of things to work with. I do wonder whether they've picked this up as a possible replacement for Strike, because they're slowly running out of Strike books to be able to adapt. So I do wonder whether this is one that they're kind of thinking this might sort of take over from it. But um, I rather like the sound of this. I think Sasha Dewan is a great actor, solid sort of crime drama adaptation from books. This guy seems to have a lot of problems. Um, it's, like, it's a cop with a brother who's a drug kingpin, who's like the biggest drug pin in the whole county. Yes. Yeah. And his family have disowned him mm-hmm. as opposed to the drug kingpin. That's an awkward family situation. Yes, that is an awkward family situation. His brother-in-law is a drugs kingpin. That sort of plays into it as well. Don't know when that will be coming out, but that has been ordered. And assuming it goes well, there are more books to work through as well. Also on the BBC, they've ordered a show called Hot Flush which comes from Sally Wainwright, who you might know is the creator of Happy Valley and Gentleman Jack, I think, was hers as well. And she's made a bunch of other things. Hot Flush centers on the lives of five women of a certain age who come together to create a makeshift butt of the joke punk rock band in order to enter a talent contest. But when they rehearse together, they suddenly discover that they have a lot more to say than they ever imagined. And this is the way to say it. Six-part drama from Drama Republic, who are the producers of Dr. Foster, follows the women as they deal with their demanding jobs, grown-up children who still eat up their energy, dependent parents, 
husbands who let them down and the menopause. The band become a catalyst for change in the women's lives and it's going to make them question everything. Sort of feels like a kind of full Monty vibe to it, but with a punk rock band rather than strippers and a sort of all-female, you know what I mean? There's there's uh-huh. an element of that possibly to it, I think. Set in Yorkshire, so... Uh, or Calendar I, Girls. Yeah, or Calendar Girls. Yes, very much that sort of area. I think this sounds like it, it could be quite fun, but it's called Hot Flush, that one. Sally Way right behind it, so, you know, I mean, she's a hit maker when it comes to shows. So I think that would be an interesting one to look out for. And Jenna Coleman's fairly busy as well at the moment. She has got a show coming up on Prime, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, the BBC one is called The Jetty. It's a thriller from the writer Cat Jones, who worked on Waterloo Road, EastEnders and Harlots. It's a four-part series. A fire tears through a holiday home in a scenic Lancashire town. Detective Ember Manning, played by Coleman, must work out how it connects to a podcast journalist investigating a missing person's cold case and an illicit love triangle between a man in her 20s and two underage girls. That's called The Jetty. I don't know much more about it than that, but uh, they've got that one coming up. The other show, which is on Prime Video, is called Wilderness, and that's Jenna Coleman and Oliver Jackson Cohen. We've actually got a date for that one. That's coming on the 15th of September. Jackson Cohen, you'll know from The Haunting Of shows on Netflix. He was in both of those. He's been in a bunch of other things as well. This follows Liv and Will, who seem to have it all a rock-solid marriage, a glamorous new life in New York. That is until Liv learns about the affair. Liv becomes the actress starring in Will's Bad Dreams after she learns about the betrayal, and her heartbreak is swiftly followed by another emotion, fury. They embark on a road trip across America that Liv has fantasized about since she was little, from the Grand Canyon on through Yosemite before ending up with a hedonistic weekend in Las Vegas. For Will, it's a chance to make amends for Liv. It's a very disparate prospect, a landscape where accidents happen all the time the perfect place to get revenge jenna coleman who you'll know from queen victoria doctor who oliver jackson cohen from the haunting of hill house dracula various other things eric balfour who uh, was in six feet under haven i think people might know him for he was in the offer recently he was in 24 ashley benson from pretty little liars claire rushbrook from secrets and lies morgana van peebles from you're killing me Jonathan Kelts from Rain and Republic of Doyle. Marcia Stephanie Blake from When They See Us as well. So good bunch of people involved in it. It's created and written and exact produced by Maureen Dickens, who wrote on Gold Digger and 13. And it's based on a novel of the same name as well by B. Jones. Solid group of people involved. It's called Wilderness. It's on Prime Video. Friday the 15th of September for that, if you want to go and check that out. So that one interest you? Yeah, it's quite interesting. It was filmed in Alberta in British Columbia for that Grand Canyon stuff right looks like it was filmed last year for six months out there it's interesting because it sort of it gives it background doesn't say what actually happens usually because it sounds like one of be those things of when we join like someone's already dead and we sort of go backwards sort of thing uh, yeah I don't know I mean there is a trailer up for it and it, it would oh, yeah, this seem is it would seem that from the trailer she finds out about the affair and then basically spends the entire trip trying to kill him but <laughs> we'll see how that actually works out it's called Wilderness it's on Friday the 15th of September on Prime Video if you want to go and check that one out but solid cast of people and good writer behind it so worth looking at so that's all the news for this week just some time for some highlights for next week on TV <laughs> 
So, highlights for next week. We have some interesting shows coming up. We've got Screw Season 2, which is on Channel 4. That's the prison drama that is returning on the 30th of August at 9pm for that. Over on Disney Plus on the 30th of August, we've got the fifth and final season of Mayans MC. That drops on there. Over on Netflix on the 31st of August, we have the live action version of One Piece. One of these days, they've got to get one of these right. <laughs> <laughs> so fingers crossed for one piece i hope it works and they embrace it but uh live action series based on the best-selling manga series that's on the 31st of august on netflix uh, but hopefully this one lands because the others haven't disenchantment season three part five the final bit whatever you're going to call it of that that lands on the 1st of september on netflix wheel of time season two that drops on the 1st of september over on prime you can go and catch that there Power Book for Force Season 2, that lands on Lionsgate Plus, that's on the 1st of September. And Warrior, the martial arts drama, that returns for Season 3 on Sky Max, that's on the 1st of September at 9pm. So uh, lots of things on the 1st of September there. Yeah, some interesting stuff dropping next week, which uh, you'll be able to go and check out, uh, whether you've got streaming or um, Sky or whatever. So good stuff out there. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? They can head over to Hollywood North News net um i hope to get up a full report on witch bomb pretty soon and obviously you can get up on any tv news surrounding stuff that's made or filmed in canada and that's over hollywoodnorthnews.net we can follow me over on my personal twitter which is almasi kinesis a-l-m-a-s-y-k-i-n-n-e-a-s on twitter yep so uh, go and check daryl out over on hollywoodnorthnews.net or find him on Twitter, X, whatever you're calling it these days. Indeed. <laughs> For other people involved in the show, you can go and find Bex, who is on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. Although at the time of recording, she sat in an airport in Germany, unable to fly home because we're recording this at the same time that all the air traffic control stuff oh, went yeah. wrong in Heathrow. So hopefully she'll be back at some point this week. But uh, at the moment, she's stuck delayed at an airport in Germany because she was in over at Gamescon and and, uh, had a lovely time she was helping out the folk at Amstream and yeah hopefully she will be back I hope she wasn't planning on doing any sort of Twitch streaming anytime soon but yes well hopefully she'll be back soon she could but, be live streaming yeah she could I've, I see it that's it maybe sit in the airport and live stream stuff to that'll keep her entertained she was complaining that she hadn't got a tablet with her or she hadn't got like a computer with her so the only ah. thing she had to entertain her was a phone but um, ah. that is unfortunate but you know you could Twitch stream from your phone surely sit in the for to do that maybe so twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes B-Y-T-E-S she's uh, hopefully back streaming fairly soon Matt you can find over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots and lots more podcasts stuff to do with Man U there's uh, gaming talk TV reviews all that sort of stuff uh, classic reviews and stuff he's coming back as well and for us you can go and find us at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geek town on x twitter whatever over there or uh, on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geek town on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geek town on blue sky at geek town or on instagram at geek town uk on tiktok at geek town uk or on threads at geek town uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye-bye. bye bye
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.